We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to the Rotoviz College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Stefan Lico, joined for the last time for now with Jordan Hoover. Jordan, how the hell are you, buddy? I'm doing good, man. I'm... Uh... Getting ready, gearing up for uh, Thanksgiving festivities tomorrow at the girlfriend's uh, parents' house. There's supposed to be, she comes from a big Italian family, so there's probably going to be like 30 or 40 people there. So I'm super stoked and uh, just uh, trying to wrangle my uh, anxiety levels into a controllable uh, controllable area. <laughs> and uh, so I think, I think talking uh, some college football with you and me going just uh, a duo tonight without Matt gonna gonna kind of lay the foundation for what should be a hectic but hopefully enjoyable day uh tomorrow rolling right into the weekend absolutely so do you guys do the whole like turkey ham what do you what do you guys do what's what's the spread well like i said i'm going over to my girlfriend's parents house tomorrow and her mom is a pretty big she she takes cooking pretty seriously so this will be the first year that i've actually gone to thanksgiving there i don't know if they do like a combo like pasta and turkey. I'm hoping for just the whole explosion bonanza. Yes. <laughs> but cuz I mean like my family we we're, we're pretty we're pretty standard with the turkey potatoes stuffing etc. pretty standard, but um I don't know, kind of going into it a little bit blind, so it's sort of exciting having a little bit of uh variance maybe coming my way. Absolutely. You got you got to love that. Just trust the process, you know. <laughs> Show up, <laughs> be ready to eat. I'm sure it'll be good. So what what is your favorite? This is the most important question of the day. What is your favorite Thanksgiving Day dessert? Ooh, dessert. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Uh, see, I don't like pumpkin pie. That's fair. I, I'm, I'm, I'm anti-pumpkin pie. Generally, um, growing up, whenever we ate at my grandma's, my grandma would usually have apple pie, which is probably my favorite dessert of all time, like with vanilla ice cream. 
So I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with that, the, the all-American answer. There, there you go. There you go. Um, mine is like the the pumpkin roll, like with the cheesecake stuff, like swirled Ooh, in the middle yeah. of it. That stuff is so yeah, good. Yeah. So you're not anti-pumpkin. You're just anti-pumpkin pie. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's something about the the texture of it. Okay. I just I just can't. I, I'm not quite sure. Just never really been down with the pumpkin pie. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's totally fair. Well, we've got a good show for you. We're gonna uh, we're gonna blaze through a lot of this stuff. Uh, but it's uh, we we have the long winded fellow on the sidelines today. <laughs> there you go, Matt. There's a nice little shout out for you. Uh, but we uh, we'll, we'll get through this pretty quick. Uh, but we're, we're gonna go into some Debbie talk. Just talk about the biggest movers. Uh, for Jordan this year. We're going to recap last week's big games, go over our locks from last week, and then, of course, uh, look ahead to the upcoming slate of games, give you some of our previews and picks for the for the big ones, for some of the big rivalry games, and then uh, jump into our locks, of course, as always. Uh, we are recording this on Thanksgiving Eve. I will have it out for you uh, Thanksgiving morning, so happy Thanksgiving to you and all of your friends, families, and whoever else you might be forced to uh, suffer this beautiful day with. Uh, I'm excited for some football, though. This is going to be good. Uh, let's let's just, off the top, we had a rough week between Penn State and Oregon. I mean, what the hell? <laughs> what a terrible, terrible, terrible time. Yeah, it was tough. Um I mean, I, if you listen to last week's show, we were all on Ohio State laying the big number at 18. We all lost that bet, but what really, you know, what really counts to me is the fact that Penn State lost 28-17. Um, you know, if you want to, if you want my thoughts on the game, I can give them to you real quick. Yeah, let's, yeah, we can, we can, uh, we can do that now. Yeah. So I, I was, I think overall takeaway, I was really pleased to see Penn State fight back from what felt like it was teetering on the brink of just an absolute collapse. At one point they were down 21 nothing. Ohio State going in for another score. Justin Fields fumbles on the way in, recovered for a touchback and then things sort of flipped from there for a little bit and Penn State rallied but ultimately came up short. Sean Clifford got knocked out, Will Levis came in, gave him a little bit of spark. Um but I mean, I think like I said, when going into last week, we were all pretty much on the same side. We thought that Ohio State was the more talented team, basically at every single position. I still think that's true. Uh, Chase Young, again, was a game wrecker. Penn State, like like so many teams before them, for some reason, they took plays off. They let tight ends try to block him one-on-one. They left yeah. right tackles try to block him one-on-one, which is it just doesn't work. And it's a shame you have to shift your entire offense for one player, but that's sort of the state that we're in when he's on the field. So, I mean, overall, I think I wasn't surprised that Ohio State won, um, but I was pleasantly surprised, I guess, with the way Penn State fought back to to make it a game and and bordering. You know, at, some, at one point, it felt like they might be able to sort of make the whole comeback come, you know, complete. But Penn State, I, I do want to say again, is a relatively young team. Um, they've done what they've done this year, playing a ton of uh, sophomores, freshmen, uh, and juniors. And I think what they're going to bring back next year should be even a better version of what we've seen so far this year. And all things considered, uh, assuming they beat Rutgers this week, roll into bowl season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have Sorry, to, that... you got to say it. You got to say it. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, if, if they finish, if, if they finish 10 and 2, go to a bowl game potentially against an SEC team or uh, an ACC team top level, get a win there and then carry that into the off season with another strong recruiting class, building on what they've done this year, 
I'm pretty positive about what it, the near future at least uh, holds for this team. Yes. And and I thought too, I, I thought, I mean, Journey Brown looked awesome, especially on that touchdown run. Uh, I'm excited for his few. I'm excited to see what happens uh, for him going forward. Uh, they got some, some nice turnovers. They made, they, they made the most of it. It was an exciting game for, for most, most of the game. Uh, but yeah, Oregon, on the other hand, man, I was so glad it was my wife's birthday and I was out to dinner with her and some friends and luckily <laughs> missed the game. I had it on like I was like kept looking at the score on my phone when no one was looking at me. And uh, man, it was just brutal. I, I did not go back and watch it because I just I was I was able to get through it without becoming too grumpy and upset because I didn't actually watch it. And I knew if I actually turned it on, even knowing what was going to happen, it just made me grumpy. Uh, so, but I mean, uh, I, I'm guessing that the two picks that, uh, Herbert threw were pretty substantial. I, I, I know they couldn't get much going early on, but man, just disappointing. Guess we don't have to worry about the playoffs, uh, for Oregon. Although, you know, uh, I, I, I don't think they would have fared too well against a, a Clemson or a, a, an Ohio state. I think it would have been pretty ugly. So, uh, it's probably for the best. Uh, let's, let's talk Debbie stuff here. Uh, we're coming towards the end of the year and, there's some really important players that we need to talk about because uh, a lot of these guys probably weren't drafted in uh, shallow Debbie leagues. Uh, of course, deeper ones, many of them were, but uh, I'd like to start just with the quarterback position. Who's been the biggest mover this year? It, it's, it's probably fairly obvious and, and probably very similar answer for most people. Uh, but talk to me a little bit about Joe Burrow and what you think. Yeah. His outlook is moving forward and also do you think that this is uh, is for real or because last year i remember talking about joe burrow and just being like he's kind of meh and so i'm curious if you think this uh this season has been one of growth for him or just one of numbers so so just take me take me through that will you jordan Uh, yeah i mean i think it's an excellent question and i don't know if i have a really solid answer because i am sort of of the opinion that joe burrow being being teaming up with Joe Brady, who LSU brought in um, as their co, I don't know what his title is, co-offense coordinator, passing game coordinator, whatever you want to call it. Uh, His arrival was really what, what sort of propelled this offense forward into what we, what we see now. And obviously he has a ton of talent to throw to one of the best wide receiver cores in the country and a coaching staff now that feels pretty content just to keep the pedal down but moving forward, yeah, I, I think he's I mean, I think he is going to be a first round draft pick. Um, and that is not something I would have said <laughs> even in right. even in, you know, late summer this year. And I think, you know, I think that it's hard to deny, especially how efficient and accurate he's been, which I think is one of the more important, you know, parts of a quarterback's prospect evaluation in college is how accurate they are, which was a big reason why I was down on Daniel Jones, down on Josh Allen. And obviously, you know, there's still a lot of time left for those guys to ultimately end up where they end up. But it's it's hard to deny how good he's been, Burrow, that is, in, in, those, in those categories. And I think that's what translates over to the NFL. Now, I will say that I think that just as basically any quarterback is, it's landing spot dependent. If he ends up somewhere on a team with little to no skill weapon talent with a coach who is not forward thinking, I don't know. I, I'm not really sure. He's he's not super mobile, which is something I think now we're seeing is more and more important when, you know, the when the secondaries in the NFL get better, 
get markedly better from college. Uh, coverage tightens up. Windows windows are much more narrow to throw into. It really helps when when your quarterback can't scramble, even just to pick up first downs and keep series right. moving. And maybe Burrow can. It also, yeah, yeah, it gives him that floor exactly. Well. Yeah. So I mean, maybe Burrow can do that. I I don't know, but but he's not necessarily a dynamic runner, you know. So I I mean, the draft capital will be there. Um, his final season, you know, metrics are off the charts. So, I mean, he, he looks like a solid prospect, but it's just that the sample size is very small and he was surrounded with a ton of talent this season at LSU. So I think a couple things break wrong and he might be a miss. And I know that's kind mm-hmm. of a general take and sort of the take on every prospect, but I don't know if you feel differently or not. I always find it difficult to analyze players when they make such a huge jump from one year to the next, because like I said, last year, we weren't really talking about him. So uh, a guy like Trevor Lawrence or, or Tua, we've been on them since they started, you know, like they've been really exciting and just have, have shown this incredible talent and continue to grow and all this kind of stuff. Joe Burrow went from just kind of like a middling guy where, you know, he was, you know, couldn't hack it at Ohio state had to had to transfer out, ends up in LSU, and like you said, now is surrounded by this great cast. So, so I am a little bit more skeptical on him than the others. I wouldn't, if I was putting a franchise together in the NFL, I wouldn't be picking him. I would want to go with one of these other guys, or or just pivot away from the quarterback position. Uh, but in Devi drafts, uh, especially in Superflex, depending on where he ends up, it could be really interesting. Unfortunately. Uh, for for most quarterbacks, you end up on a pretty crap team because because you're getting drafted early and the people drafting early uh, are are there for a reason. So um, I, I I'm not super excited about him. I have zero uh, Burrow Devi stock though. So um, I, I'd I'd rather see where a guy like you know if Jacob Eason declares, see where he ends up uh, because I think they could have similar NFL careers depending on uh, landing spot. So but definitely from someone who we weren't talking about out at all last year to where he is now is, is pretty incredible let's go over to running back who's who's the biggest mover for you this season at running back so this is a guy who was you know relatively drafted relatively early even before the season started but chuba hubbard i think has taken a step even further and pushed himself into that upper echelon of running backs that we've been talking about now for the last two or three years of the 2020 class of being so special you know, just looking at his stat line um, for the season, it's just absolutely absurd. Eighteen hundred, over eighteen hundred rushing yards, twenty touchdowns, eighteen receptions uh, to go along with nineteen receptions the year before. You know, he's a redshirt sophomore, so he is eligible to come out in the draft. Obviously, it's too soon to tell whether or not that's the case. I hope that he does, uh, because there's really no reason for him to hang around another year. Right, but really, just the consistency that we've seen, um, and, and the and the huge workloads too. I mean, he's had twenty or more carries in all but one game. He's had over a hundred yards rushing in all but one game. He's had a rushing touchdown at least one in all but one game. He's had a reception in at least one reception in every single game. He's just been the offense, and he's really shown an ability to be a a Christian McCaffrey type running back. And I want to say that very carefully because Christian McCaffrey is sort of a unicorn right now, at least as far as fantasy is concerned. But I I do see a similar skill set and an ability to carry a huge workload in college, very much like Christian McCaffrey. It's, it's way too soon. I, I, I don't ever want to make a one-to-one comparison because typically that's foolish to do so. But I do see that type of upside 
um, in Hubbard. And I think that he's just a star in the making. Yeah. Do you, I know uh, the receiving totals that you and, and, and Matt both look at um, aren't quite at the level that I would have expected. I know you guys look for like, like, you know, two catches per game or so, maybe a little bit more. Uh, does, does the fact that he's only got 18 and 19 respectively, is that a, a red flag at all for you? Or is that enough that you feel comfortable that he, he could be a third down or a three down running back in the NFL? As rare as that is, but do you think he has a skill set that he could do it? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. And I think that uh, a step a step that still needs to be taken, which I don't have this information currently in front of me, is figuring out the the percentage of the um, running back targets and catches that he has on the team. Because I, t- I, I do think looking into it more and more over the last year or two, I think that a really important factor when we're talking about running back receptions is not even just the pure... Uh, raw counting stats, but also factoring in how often does this team throw to the running backs, I think, which gives a better idea of how much he's counted on as a receiver among his teammates at running back. So I think that's something that that is important and needs to be factored in. And if we get to, if we get that information and it still looks like, you know, if if Oklahoma State is still targeting other running backs at a relatively high rate, then it might be a little bit of a concern. But Oftentimes when we see a running back with like 20 receptions, you dig a little bit deeper and you see that the team as a whole had 23 running back receptions. So, I mean, it's kind of, again, it, it, it harkens back to the market share idea that we've talked about so much on this show. Right. I think that it factors into that area just as well. Let's, uh, let's head over to wide receiver. You, if we shall, (laughs) um, let's talk about your wide receiver. Who's been the biggest mover this year. And, uh, just shocking, really, right? I mean, for me, anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, for me, it's Rashad Bateman. And, you know, again, this is another guy who we've been talking about for a while. He showed up in a big way as a true freshman last year, had 49 receptions, 670 yards, and six touchdowns last season. This year, he's amped it up even more. He has over 1,000 yards receiving on 51 receptions, 10 touchdowns, averaging over 20 yards per reception playing alongside Tyler Johnson, who will be an NFL wide receiver on a on a very concentrated yeah. offense. He's a star, and there's just no two ways about it. And and Minnesota is a program that is trending straight up. Yeah. So whenever Tyler Johnson is gone next season, they have another guy, Ottman Bell, I believe, who will probably slide into that wide receiver too because they like to run that two wide receiver focused offense. But Bateman's ceiling is enormous next year. I think that I think that his market share could grow even more. His raw stats could grow even more. And I think that he has round one potential in the real NFL draft come 2021 if he decides to declare early. Yeah, just crazy because I wouldn't have thought last year, like, like going into the season, I wouldn't have thought of Minnesota as a prolific offense, uh, one that's going to be able to uh, produce two NFL caliber wide receivers, and yet here we are. And I, I think you know, if if, if Bateman was a, a, a year uh, further along in his career, he would already be thinking about uh, leaving because he he certainly seems to have the, the talent and the capabilities to uh, to do that. Uh, we were going to talk about tight ends, but in the show doc, you you uh, reminded me that tight ends don't actually matter. <laughs> <laughs> I will say uh, Hunter Bryant for the University of Washington is someone who uh, he hasn't really popped as as much as i hoped but i do really really like him and he he has shown 
um, flashes of just this freak athleticism, uh, just incredible size and speed combination. Um, if he can become a little bit more consistent with his concentration, uh, with catching the football on a more regular basis, I think he could be an absolute monster. Uh, I don't know if you actually had uh, any other any other thoughts at tight end, but if not, we can move on. Well, one thing I think, um, and this isn't necessarily a moving up, but um, our our uh, our absent co-host Matt did send us that alert a couple days ago about uh, Grant Calcaterra quitting football. Who, right? You know, for a long time we we thought was in the running for the tight end one in the class. So I mean, that's that's at least a development yep. on the tight end front. I think that that just pulls one high end prospect out of the pool and probably weakens the class even more. So I mean, that you know that will affect everyone else because that takes away one high level option for teams to choose from. But as we always say, it takes time for tight ends to develop. Uh, we're seeing Noah Fant kind of emerge a little bit without really an NFL-type quarterback to throw him the ball. So, I mean, I think we see like what a little bit of an early emergence can look like. But even so, I think that it's it just takes time. And it's really a grind when you're trying to figure out tight ends from a Debbie perspective. But, you know, look for athleticism. Look for your uh, production at a young age and, you know, try and just take your shots that way. Yeah, I, I think I'd, every one of my uh, rookie drafts last year, I took a Sternberger. <laughs> and it's yeah. just like he's been out all year. And it's just like, well, maybe next year, maybe not. Who knows? He might be one of those players that never actually pans out or he could become something special. It's uh, really, really tough to tell from the tight end position for sure. Uh, let's get into the recap. Uh, we already touched on the Penn State, Ohio State game. So, so we can jump over that. As you mentioned, uh, we were all on Ohio State. Uh, minus 18, and that was not the case. It ended up being an 11-point difference, so uh, we were wrong on that one. We all got Texas at Baylor correct. The spread was 5.5. Uh, the final score was 24-10, but even that was a little bit misleading as Texas scored with, I think, like five seconds left uh, was when they scored their only touchdown. So it was 24-3 with five seconds left. Uh, Texas, man, we've talked about it a bit uh, on the show lately, but uh, they've really been a disappointment this year. I don't think any of us had them in our overrated category to start the year when we did our preseason conversation. But man, they have really fallen off. Um, I don't know what the outlook is for Texas going forward, but it, it's got to be pretty bleak. I'd love to hear your thoughts either about this game or, or Texas in general. What do you, what do you think, Jordan? Man, what a what a difference just a couple of months makes because preseason i i know that a lot of people were talking about texas as a potential you know big 12 title contender potentially challenging oklahoma uh maybe pushing into i don't know necessarily about playoff contention but the hopes were pretty high for texas and now i don't know i mean i was just reading today tom herman's already talking about making changes to the coaching staff in the off season Mm -hmm. um they're bowl eligible with six wins but at this point, you know, they don't really have that much more to play for. It's been and 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 to be fair, two of their two of their six wins came on walk-off field goals. So I mean, this could easily just as easily be a four and seven team. And I mean, if if you're a head coach at Texas, at the Texas, and you go four and seven, you know, you're lucky to get out of Austin with your life. Um <laughs> so I mean, I you know, it's just very tenuous situation right now i don't know exactly how they pivot from where they are now to where they you know where the boosters and the fan base expect them to be but i think herman a guy who we thought probably had a pretty long leash heading into the season 
Uh, now I'm not so sure. Yeah, and they've lost four of their last six games. Uh, and like you said, in, in, the, in those two wins that they had were were just by you know two points and three points against Kansas and Kansas State. So definitely, uh, definitely pretty rough times. Uh, I feel like every like to start the season, I feel like every every other tweet I see is like Texas is back and all this kind of stuff <laughs> after a, a close loss to LSU, and it's like back to what like mediocrity? Yeah, yes, yes, they are. Yes. Uh, they've never left. Correct, correct. Um, but yes, Sam, Sam Ellinger definitely disappointment for me. Uh, had another rough outing this 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 out this week. Uh, Baylor looks good. Uh, do you think Do you think Baylor is is for real? What do you think uh, What do you think of Baylor? Uh, big picture, I think they're ranked like number nine right now. They're ten and one. Uh, do you think they have a shot at uh, beating Oklahoma again when when they meet up on the seventh? That's going to be a good game um, because I think that you know I think Baylor obviously the first the first matchup did not go the way they wanted and it was kind of a crushing crushing defeat but i think what we've seen from oklahoma that game included they've been just hanging on you know winning really 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 close right. games and i think there is a chance that we could see a little bit of payback now we're obviously getting ahead of ourselves we have a little bit of time between now and then but i think for baylor you know at least in this season i think they still have things to do uh, I'm curious to see how long Matt Rule hangs around because I think he has, and it's no secret. I mean, I think he's he's pegged as an eventual, probably an NFL head coach at some point. So I mean, and and you never know how that jump's going to go. But I think that a lot of uh, you know, there's so many positive things being said about him. But I, I think for this season, I think they still have, uh, I think they still have things ahead of them that they're that they're looking forward to and that they have to play for. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think I think we all would agree that the uh, the playoff is out of the picture, even if they beat Oklahoma. But uh, really solid year, uh, definitely a lot better than I anticipated. Uh, speaking of better than I anticipated, let's talk about Oregon at Arizona State. <laughs> oh man, uh, Oregon favored by two touchdowns and ends up losing by a field goal. We all were on Oregon on this one. We were all wrong. Arizona State plays them tough every single year. I just thought this year Arizona State had been looking super bad lately. They had just yeah come out flat a couple couple games before then, and I just thought Oregon would be able to take advantage. Oregon had so much to play for. They were finally really starting to get healthy. They they were looking good, and then uh, just epic collapse. I uh, I should not ever get my hopes up. <laughs> I should have known when we lost to Auburn that it was over for us this year, and I did. And I said it then. I said it's over. It's fine now. Let's just play football. And then I got roped back in because that's what this playoff does. And uh, and then they lose. And again, I didn't watch much of this game, so I don't have a whole lot to say. I know it was on pretty late for uh, for you East Coasters, so I'm not sure if you got to see any of this one. Yeah, as as typically is the case, uh, me being a very old 32. Uh, an old 32 on the scale of 32 year olds. Um, I did not see a single snap, but but looking at the box score, uh, can we talk about the fact that true freshman Jaden Daniels outplayed uh, preseason Heisman Trophy candidate Justin Herbert? Well, can we can we can we pivot from that a little bit and just talk about Justin Herbert? And I'd love to hear your take on on his stock, just how it's changed throughout the year. Because I'm I'm a lot harder on him because I'm an Oregon fan and I see him miss so many throws, uh, but. What do you think? Do you think his stock has gone up, gone down, or stayed the same from from preseason? So, I mean, I just ran him up. I believe that was last week as a stock up guy, um, and and that was, I mean, and again, I feel like I'm living in a I'm living in a two centric world, and everyone else just revolves around him. He's like the sun, but 
you know, with Tua yes. potentially out of the picture for this draft, I think obviously all that does is bump Herbert's stock up because and the thirst for quarterbacks is never quenched as far as NFL teams are concerned. So, I mean, anyone dropping out will only automatically lift all of other boats, Herbert included. But, I mean, looking – again, looking at his his season-long statistics – He's he's shown a vast improvement in completion percentage from last year, up nearly 10 percentage points. Um, he's averaging more yards per attempt. He has more touchdowns, less interceptions, and a better passer rating um, compared to last year, which was a down year. Now, I think that he still <laughs> – what I keep coming back to is the fact that he's big, he's tall, he's – relatively athletic he's not he's not a great runner but I think he's mobile enough to move around the pocket extend plays and I think that quarterbacks are the most valuable commodity in the NFL period correct and I think that that's really what he can hang his hat on he's still standing he makes it to April upright all ligaments intact still six foot six still able to throw an out route he'll be in the NFL now, whether he has the potential to be an elite signal caller, I don't know. I tend to think that his ceiling might be a little bit lower than some like to think, but I can't, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say Justin Herbert is worse than Dwayne Haskins or Kyle Allen or Brandon Allen. You can just keep going on and on. I mean, you can list the, the last eight starting quarterbacks in the NFL and you're like, yeah, Herbert's probably better than them. Right. So, I mean, that's kind of just where we're at. It's It's weird, but... Yeah, I kind of liken him a bit to Ryan Tannehill. Um, I think you know who's on a roll, right? And and I think if if he's in the right situation, he could he could do well. But I don't think he's a franchise quarterback that's going to take you to you know six Super Bowls. <laughs> you know, I don't think he's. Sure. I mean, sure. and who is other than Tom Brady? But uh, I don't think he's going to have uh, that type of career. Uh, I hope I'm wrong though. I like the guy. Uh, he's fun to root for. Uh, but yeah. I've been disappointed. I think, you know, uh, as an Oregon fan, having Marcus Mariota and Herbert, these these guys who were viewed as uh, generational talents and then, you know, just always kind of missing missing out is uh, is very frustrating. Uh, but that is the life of most most fans in the in the world. <laughs> most people don't get to see their teams win uh, very often unless you're an Alabama or Patriots fan. Uh, it's just uh, just the reality we live in. Um, let's move on. Texas A&M at Georgia. Georgia favored by 13. Texas A&M ends up uh, keeping it close, 13 to 19. I was wrong on this one. You and Matt got this one right. Uh, I thought uh, I thought Georgia would be able to uh, score more. I, I, I didn't know if uh, – I, I didn't expect Texas A&M to score less than 13 per se, but I thought Georgia would be able to, to get into the 20s, maybe low 30s against this A&M defense, which has been okay. Uh, but I, I just expected more from Georgia, and, and maybe that is, uh, is my fault. Um, what do you think about this Georgia team? Do you think that they have a realistic shot at, uh, at winning everything this year? I know we talked a little, I mean, I know we talked a little bit about this last week, Matt and I, uh, sort of went back and forth with the hypothetical Georgia LSU matchup. Um, yeah. I personally think LSU wins that and perhaps comfortably, um, just because I, I give all credit to Georgia's defense. They are very good. I mean, they held Texas A&M to negative one rushing yards. In, in this That's game. right. But at the same time, Georgia was outgained in total yards, 274 to 260 against Texas A&M. Still found a way to win, which is what's important. But I just can't get off this offense. Obviously, Texas A&M is good. 
but Georgia has talent. I mean, and and that's what I just can't get over. I can't figure out if it's from, I can't figure out if it's the lack of skill position players or if it's the coaching or if it's all three, but there's just something about this offense that bothers me. And I just, it's, it's a rock in my shoe. I can't, I can't get past it. Um, I know that technically right now they're still ranked fourth, correct? In the new rankings. I believe so. Yeah. So I know technically. I'm actually not sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they are. So, I mean, technically they are in the playoff as of right now. And if they if they beat Georgia Tech and then if they beat LSU in the, in the SEC title game, then, yeah, they, they belong in the playoff. But I will be fading them hard if that happens. Whoever they play in that yeah. first round matchup, hard fade. I, I think I completely agree with you. Uh, let's move on to our, our lock review. Uh, uh, speaking of a, a, a rock in your shoe and just not being able to get over things, um, I had another losing week. Um, I thought, you know, I, I'd do a big slate, get five wins out, and uh, and finally be back in uh, over 500 territory. But no, I went two and three. Uh, pretty disappointing. Uh, Boise State at Utah State. I was on Utah State plus eight. They ended up losing by 35 points, and that was with Boise State's backup quarterback. So that was disheartening. I was wrong on Tennessee at Missouri. Uh, Missouri favored by four, ended up losing by four. And then the one that really crushed me was Texas State at Appalachian State. Um, I actually bet on this a little bit later in the week. I, I waited till Saturday morning to bet on it. And so the uh, the the over-under when I bet on it was right at 50 it's instead of 51 and a half, which I had in the show doc. Uh, but they only the, the the total was only at 48. So I missed that one as well, just barely. Uh, but a loss is a loss. The two that I got right, I, I was totally spot on and brilliant in my Virginia Tech over Pittsburgh take. Uh, the line was three and a half. Vatek ended up shutting out Pittsburgh 28-0 and, and looking really good. That defense has taken some serious, serious strides. I'll be curious to see what happens against Virginia this week in a nice rivalry game. Uh, I don't have a, a lock on that one, uh, but I will be leaning Virginia Tech heavily. Um, and then the other one I got right was Minnesota minus 13.5 at Northwestern. This one was actually a little bit closer than I thought. It ended up being 38-22, so only a 16-point difference. Uh, and Northwestern kept it close for, for, for portions of that game, which uh, did surprise me. I thought Minnesota would win much more comfortably. So I was sweating that one out a little bit, but uh, ended up being okay with that one. Uh, Matt Matt had a also not great week. He went two and three. Uh, his Memphis US, USF over 59 and a half barely missed out. It was a total of 59. So he lost out by <laughs> half a point, which uh, was <laughs> pretty, pretty freaking brutal. If you ask me, uh, the Navy SMU over was 66 and a half. That one was also close at 63. Uh, his other one that he got wrong was Marshall Charlotte. He went to over 55 and a half, and that one only got to 37. So that one was was pretty far off. Uh, the ones he got right, he had Missouri, Tennessee under 45 and a half, and that one went to 44. So that one was very close, but he got that one. And then he was on the under with Ohio State, Penn State, uh, and, and got that. You had a nice week, Jordan. You were two and three, and you have had multiple winning weeks in a row. So congratulations. Why don't you walk us through it? Yeah, someone's quietly sneaking up in the uh, the rankings here. Oh, yeah. 21 and 16 on the season, uh, right, hovering right around that 56, 57% threshold that I hear thrown around amongst the uh, – professionals and sharps as they say yeah so t- i went two and one on the week um i took coastal carolina getting six at louisiana monroe um coastal carolina lost but kept it close losing by three so i got the cover there in a high scoring 45 42 game 
Um, I had Cal getting three at Stanford. They won outright 24-20 in um, a really low-key rivalry. Obviously, both teams are, are pretty down right now. But I think this game really matters a ton to the kids who play because I think they understand what it means. And that's kind of narrative street, but I think that's kind of like a rivalry every year that doesn't really get talked about that much. And then I was on Indiana getting nine and a half against Michigan. That obviously went way, way awry. Uh, Michigan just kept rolling. They won 39-14. Um, it was close early. Yeah, it was. I was going to ask yeah. how much of that game you actually watched because I watched a lot of it. And I was texting. It's like, man, Minnesota looks really, re- I mean, not, not Minnesota. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of in love with Minnesota. Sorry. Indiana looks really, really good. Like they were up 14 to seven in the second quarter. And, and oh, then all of a sudden it just got out of hand after halftime. But And there were yeah. injuries too, correct? Uh, on Indiana side, did they lose? There were in-game injuries in this game, correct? I believe so. I, I thought that um, one of the receivers whose name I always struggle to say, I think he got hurt for them. Yeah. And for I Indiana. maybe an offensive lineman too. I, I, I know that I think a couple things sort of went wrong for Indiana. I still think they're a good team. They've just been hit so hard in the last couple of weeks with injuries at key spots. Um, I think full strength, if you put this team full strength on, you know, the field with just about every big 10 team, they're either going to win or at very least compete. I think they're a really low-key good team. Um, so, I mean, I think that's another team that, depending on how they finish, if they can get healthy over the next few weeks before bowl season, depending on the matchup, I'm probably going to be looking their way because I think they're low-key a really good team. Although they yeah. they did me dirty uh, last week. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but to that point, they'll probably be overlooked as far as from a points perspective, from the spread. They'll probably be... Uh, be overlooked and, and you can probably find some value there. So I think that's definitely a good call. Uh, speaking of Michigan, I'm curious uh, your take on this. Uh, let's, let's, let's talk about this upcoming week here. We've got Ohio state at Michigan. This is the big one, right? Like Michigan plus nine here. Michigan has been so much better ever since halftime against uh, your Nittany lions. Uh, I'm curious what you think is going to take place in this one, because I am, am, am struggling to believe that Ohio State is just going to run away with this thing. Yet, uh, traditionally speaking on the year, betting Ohio State, um, betting Ohio State uh, to cover has, has been a pretty safe bet. So, uh, so what do you think here? You, you go in Ohio State, or do you think Michigan can keep this one close? This is one I've gone back and forth on basically since Monday. I, I think if I were to make this line, I would make it a little bit closer to 11 for Ohio State. So, I mean, I'm going to lean Ohio State here laying the nine. And it's really based on, I think that Ohio State, even even given Michigan's upward swing, and they've absolutely improved over the last couple of weeks and they're playing their best football by far, I still think Ohio State is the better team basically across the board. Um, I'm not a believer in Harbaugh. I think in big games, he I just do not feel comfortable backing him. I'm still not 100% sold on Shea Patterson, even though he's been playing better. I think, again, and uh, and Chase Young is, I guess we have two sons in this universe because everything revolves around Chase Young. I think he can, I think he's going to do damage. And I think that one area where Shea Patterson struggles is under pressure. Now, typically that's every quarterback, but I do not trust him if he's under pressure. And I think that they're going to be able to get to him this you know, this has been sort of a wild series the last couple of years with a lot of high scoring games. 
I don't know what the weather, I mean, I know the weather is supposed to be all sorts of jacked up all across the country, uh, starting like, well, it's already starting, but, but now through the weekend. So I think weather might play a part here. It's just a lean to Ohio state. I don't think I would necessarily bet this one, but I just think it's the better team with the more dangerous defensive front who I think can create some havoc and per- and possibly create some turnovers uh, via Shea Patterson. So I'll lay the points. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I also was going back and forth. And I think if this was uh, double digits, I would, I would lean Michigan, uh, but, but it's still being in single digits. I think Ohio state can deal with that. I do think it'll be a little bit closer. I think Michigan I think Michigan wants this one more than they've wanted one in a long time. Not that that makes a difference on the field, but just Ohio State being ranked number one, undefeated. They would love to play spoiler right here. It would be an awful, <laughs> it would be just an awful fun mix up uh, for for the for the playoff committee. It would, it would be pretty crazy. I don't know if Matt would recover, uh, but you know, <laughs> we've had to deal with losses. He should have to as well. Um, let's let's uh, let's stay in the Big Ten. Let's talk Wisconsin at Minnesota. Wisconsin favored by two and a half. I really wanted to pick Minnesota in this one, uh, but just couldn't. I don't know why. I don't. I don't feel great about it. I think Minnesota not being able to to beat Iowa two weeks ago and then struggling a bit like they did against Northwestern uh, has me a little bit nervous. Uh, not that Wisconsin has uh, really put a whole lot of confidence <laughs> in me, but just enough that uh, I, I'm still going to lean Wisconsin. I, I think they can win it by a field goal. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, this is this is a good one. This is what I'm pretty sure game day is at this game. Uh, it's for the Bunyan Paul Bunyan's axe, I believe. Uh, so <laughs> it's a lot of sure. magical and mysterious things behind this game. Um, I'm going to I'm going to take the points with Minnesota at home. I know that Minnesota is going to have a hard time stopping Jonathan Taylor. And I really have no illusions of them being able to do so. But what I am pretty confident in is the fact that I don't anticipate Wisconsin being able to throw the ball very well. I think Minnesota's secondary is really good. It's by far the best part of their defense. And I am just not very confident Wisconsin can move the ball through the air. On the other side, I think Minnesota, we've talked about their skill positions clearly the better side in that matchup between them and Wisconsin secondary. I think that as long as the, again, if the weather is somewhat palatable and Minnesota is able to throw the ball and it doesn't turn into a driving blizzard sideways snow, I think Minnesota is going to be able to score against Wisconsin. So again, I think that this is a close game. I think that's represented obviously in the spread. Um, Kind of an interesting, uh, actually a very interesting matchup, uh, to be honest. But I'll, I'll take the two and a half here with the team at home, Minnesota. I uh, I was just looking over at a uh, CBS, and there they've got it as as three plus three, Ooh, so I'll even take better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but right, uh, the over under is forty six. Where would you lean on that? Because it sounds like you might think that 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 this could be a higher scoring type game with uh, with Jonathan Taylor maybe getting two hundred yards rushing and. Uh, and Minnesota's wide receivers being able to, to break loose. Yeah, see, I would be I would be interested to see what it opened because if it's if the under has come down and it's come down a couple points, it might be a reaction to the weather, which is something that I've seen across sure. the board in a lot of these games where totals have come down four or five points from open. And typic and with the weather systems uh, in play, I think that has a big part. 
on a on a fresh field, little weather impacts. Uh, I think that I think it could go over that total because I think both these defenses are not quite as good as people might think. But again, I you know Wisconsin again the the big play threat I feel like is very small unless it's Jonathan Taylor busting off a seventy yard run. So right, slightly right. probably to the over as long as the weather isn't horrific. Yeah, and and speaking of uh, good defenses, let's talk about Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. <laughs> Oklahoma State plus 13. I know you're leaning that direction. Why don't you tell me why? I just feel like it's too many points. Um, Again, this is a situation where I think think that Oklahoma has advantages just about in every single position, but I think that I'm a real big Lincoln Riley fan. I've been pretty vocal about that on this show, but I think Mike Gundy is is another good coach, and I think getting almost two touchdowns at home against a team who has been winning games, but has been winning them much closer than people expected them to be winning them. And I think right. it, with a with an Oklahoma defense that I think has been a little bit exposed lately, uh, Oklahoma State obviously without their starting quarterback, but I don't know if that really matters that much because I think it's the system more than the specific quarterback. And Chuba Hubbard, a guy that we talked about, I think he can have a lot of success here. And I think that if Oklahoma State can kind of shorten the game in that way, leaning on the run more heavily, protecting their 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 quarterback who's going to be on just his second start. I just it just feels like it's too many points and it feels like Oklahoma has not been pulling away from teams. So I'll take the home team getting 13 in a rivalry game. Yes. Uh so Chuba Hubbard has 1830 yards uh, as you mentioned earlier. After this game, is he over 2000 on the season? <laughs> I do think he gets 168 yards oh, rushing this. this oh, I'm week. sorry. You said 2,000. I thought you were asking me if he was going to get 900 rushing yards, and I was like, "Well, maybe." <laughs> <laughs> you think he'll get to 2,000 on the season? So, do you think he'll get 168 Ooh, rushing I, yards over under 168? <laughs> I think it's I think it's in the range of possibility. I mean, we've seen him touch again. I don't have his stats in front of me. I think he's touched 200 more than once, um, maybe two or three times. And I, again, I think Oklahoma's defense is a little bit suspect right now compared to what we saw early on. So he's going to get the ball a ton, man. I, I guarantee you that. He's, he's yeah. 30 touches, almost guaranteed. Yeah, and uh, I, I'm with you on this one. Uh, give me Oklahoma State plus 13. Uh, mainly, like if you just look at Oklahoma's last, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six games, only one of them have they outscored the opponent by by more than 13 and that was against West Virginia. Everything else has been close. Everything else has been uh within four four points uh or or a loss. Uh, so so to me they're just they're they're not showing me that they uh that their defense can stop people enough that even though they're scoring a lot of points that they're going to be able to keep their team out of the end zone. So for me, uh let let me just ride with those 13 points with Oklahoma State. I feel like it's pretty safe. Uh sure at at some point at some point, they're going to roll someone. The defense will play well and get a couple of turnovers. But uh, I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen this week. I think Chuba Hubbard uh, rolls and and all as well. Uh, last game before we get into our locks: Texas A and M at LSU. The line is seventeen. Big number here. Even though Texas A and M covered last week, I don't think they will again. I still am not a believer. I'm not a huge fan of of, of this team of Kellen Mond. I don't, I don't believe in it. I think LSU rolls. Uh, pretty easily, so uh, I- I'm rolling with LSU minus 17. Jordan, I've literally just changed my pick twice while you were giving I'm, that I'm, intro. I'm, I'm watching. Um, this <laughs> is to give you another minute to really but, <laughs> take a second. 
think about not eating pumpkin pie tomorrow <laughs> and uh and, and and just give give me give me what you think minus 17 here it's a big number it is um at home what what kind of concerns me we've talked about Kellamond a lot on here and how we're kind of like we're not really mon believers i would say is is a fair term but lsu secondary is beatable and i think that's the most vulnerable part of their team i kind of see a scenario here where LSU probably jumps out early and probably carries a hefty lead into the third quarter. But I could see a scenario where AM claws back and maybe gets close to a backdoor cover, which is the only thing that's holding me off of just going all in on LSU because LSU has been so just so good on offense. They're they're basically a guarantee to score 40 against no matter who whoever they play. So I mean I'm gonna lean. I'm going to stick with my guns. I'm going to lean LSU, laying the points. But again, I feel like there's there's backdoor cover potential here with Jimbo calling plays. We've seen it before. I forget what game that was earlier this year where they were – it might have been Clemson perhaps um, where Texas A&M was down late. They're, they're right around the spread. They're down 14, 17 points, something in that area. They're dry- th- Was it a Alabama. It might have been. They're driving down late. Jimbo's calling timeouts. The game is completely out of reach. He's calling timeouts to score a touchdown, and he would never say it was to cover the spread, but that was to cover the spread. <laughs> but it totally was. So, I mean, that's yeah. like a sort of an intangible, wishy-washy type thing, but we've seen it before. So I'm just saying, heads up on this one. It's just a lean. Yeah, no, I I think it actually was Clemson because they scored with 10 seconds left yeah. uh, to, to finish the game. Uh, that's so funny. Uh, you know that it plays into these coaches thinking. Oh, though. absolutely. Uh, but let's get into the locks. Let's get into the locks. I'm just going to give all four of Matt's off the top because he didn't give a whole lot of reasoning for them. Um, I, I'd like you to just tell me. I know you haven't probably dug into all of his either. I'm, I'm only looking at them for the first time now so i haven't done a whole lot of research on some of these uh but just tell me if you lean with or since he's not here to defend himself just tell me if you think uh on a scale of one to five of how much you agree with him uh five being a complete yes i'm gonna go put money down and one being like absolutely not i should take the other side but we've got central michigan uh first toledo over 64 and a half uh <laughs> to be, com- yeah, no to be completely honest i don't have a strong read on this one that's a lot of points um to go over yeah so just first first glance i would probably lean under um but you know matt's matt's been pretty good this year so i mean it's hard to it's hard to really go completely against him so we got uh this one's maybe a little bit easier because we have a better understanding of the teams we've got georgia georgia tech under 46 and a half uh, I think the logic here is just Georgia hasn't been scoring a whole lot this year and their defense is is pretty amazing. So Georgia Tech might not score at all this game. So how many points do you think Georgia's? I think this is a pretty good one. I, I actually give this one a four out of five on, on, my, on my rating scale. Yeah, I see where he's going with this one. It's it's kind of a bummer. It's under uh, 47, which is a relatively key number. But yeah, I mean, I, I definitely see where he's going with this. No, I can't really disagree. Yeah, I could see this one being like 31 to 10 yeah. or something like that, you know. Uh, Missouri, Arkansas, under 53 and a half. Arkansas has been pretty putrid this year. <laughs> Although, uh, they, my, I, was, I was at dinner for my wife's birthday and the, the Arkansas-Auburn game was on. Not Auburn, sorry. Arkansas 
LSU game was on and I was watching with a buddy who, who graduated from Arkansas and he didn't care about the, uh, he knew Arkansas didn't have a chance. He just, he was like 44, I think it was a 41 point spread or 44 point spread. And he just wanted them to come. He's like, come on, Arkansas, don't do it. You can, it was, it was pretty hilarious. Uh, but that's what, that's what life is like for Arkansas fans right now. It's pretty rough, but Missouri also looked pretty bad last week, losing Tennessee. So under 53 and a half, I think it's just not a whole lot of faith in these offenses. Yeah. The only thing that worries me is sometimes like when two relatively bad teams get together, sometimes that turns into the opposite and there's just a billion points. Um, but right. I don't trust Arkansas to score very much here at all. They've just been so bad. And Missouri's offense has kind of been dying as well. So, I mean, again, I see where he's going with the pick. Yeah. I'm quickly checking to see where this game is being played. Uh, because that would make a big difference for me. If this is on the road, like if this is in in Arkansas, then I would definitely be on the under because Missouri's offense has been absolutely atrocious uh, away from home. Yeah, that's that's a good point because I remember you bringing that up earlier. Again, it uh, and weather. I, I I know I sound like a broken record, but again, weather, wind, rain, whatever is happening is also something to keep an eye on. Yeah, and this one is at Arkansas on Friday, so it's a Black Friday special. Uh, I'm I'm totally on board. I'm totally on board with this one. It's in. Yeah, it's it's. This is a good one. Uh, it's in Little Rock. Let's go ahead and uh, and lock this one up. I, I I agree with him. Under fifty three and a half. And the last one at Pac twelve delight Utah Colorado under forty nine and a half. This one surprised me. Colorado just beat Washington. They look like they can, they can score at times. Utah's offense looks amazing. I could see this one going over. This one makes me a little bit nervous. This one I was surprised by. Yeah. And this is one that I've heard a lot of people talk about this week and one that I am so tempted to lay it with Utah on side, just because they sort of have me mesmerized. I think a little bit, the under makes me a little bit nervous because I think Utah could score in the forties potentially. Um, right. So I would probably just lay off this one. If if I would gun to my head, I'd probably just lay off. Yeah. And uh, I'm actually kind of glad Oregon lost so that uh, you and I won't be rooting against each other when Utah plays <laughs> Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. Because I know you'll be pulling Utah. Um, I'm going to go into my locks real quick here. I do have a Black Friday special. Iowa minus five and a half at Nebraska. Nebraska is O for the last three against the spread as an underdog. They are one and seven against the spread uh, in their last eight games. And Iowa is five and two against the spread in their last seven games against Nebraska. Iowa is a much better team on paper and have been on the field than Nebraska. I think this will be a low scoring game, which does give me uh, a little bit of pause. But Iowa only has to win by a touchdown um, for, for, for this one to be okay for me. So this one I feel pretty good about. Iowa minus five and a half. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, this, I, I don't have a real great feel. I know Nebraska is coming off a real big win. Um, Iowa's, you know, typically stingy, um, better better at home than on the road. But I, I would lean, I would lean on your side on this one. Yeah, good. That's all I wanted to hear. Let me, let me hear one of yours. <laughs> yeah, sure. So I'll kick it off with Army plus three at Hawaii. Obviously, this is a long, long road trip yeah. and I should say air trip for, for this kickoff for army, but a couple spots that I think play in their favor, Hawaii allowed 354 rushing yards um, back in October in their loss to air force and air force obviously runs a very similar offense to army. Um, they lost that game 56 to 26 at home. 
So similar type situations setting up here. Hawaii's defensive line ranks 125th and 126th nationally in line yards and stuff rate, which lines up pretty perfectly with what Army wants to do on offense. Army's defense have been playing better. I think they're in the top 25 in scoring defense. Um, obviously a tough test for them with this run and shoot offense, but I think there's a real big, big advantage for Army on offense against Hawaii's defense. And I think this is a little bit of a questionable motivation spot for Hawaii after they clinched their division last week. I've heard a lot of rumors about them potentially resting starters against Army's offense who, because of the way they operate, they like to cut block at the line. They're trying to probably avoid injuries and Army does have Navy in their next game, which is huge, but that's two weeks away. So Army has another week, a uh, bye week between the two. So there's no real massive look ahead here for Army. So I think it sets up pretty well. I wouldn't be too surprised if Army wins this one outright. Okay, I like it. I will I will say, uh, having just been to Hawaii, if I was on a road trip for a football game going to Hawaii, I would find it very difficult to concentrate on football. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, there is that That's for sure. Me. There is that for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure the boys will be uh, will be ready to ready to go. Ready to go, indeed. Uh, Alabama minus three and a half at Auburn. Auburn's fine. They're they're good. Alabama's without Tua, but I don't think it's going to slow them down. That often, I mean, it'll slow them down. Don't get me wrong. Uh, the spread, if Tua was playing, would be significantly higher. It would probably be in the double digits. Um, I think them just needing to win by a little more than a field goal is okay. Alabama is 11-3 and against the spread in its last 14 road games versus teams with winning records. So even against teams uh, that are doing well, they still are able to overcome spreads. This is a pretty small spread, so the 3.5 points don't scare me. I feel like we're getting a lot of value on Alabama ever since the Tua injury, and I'm going to continue to roll with that. Uh, it's worked out for me. It's been one of my few bright spots this year has been uh, betting on Alabama and I've been to continue to do so this week. I don't think Auburn's quite as good. Uh, they're good at home. I, I will give them that. I, I know it's a rivalry game, but, but I, I feel pretty com- comfortable with uh, Bama minus three and a half. Yeah, that one's tough. I, I like your reasoning and I think Alabama is the logical side. Um, but this one, this one just has me a little bit scared off because I feel like the number is, is the short number smells i'll just put it that way <laughs> yeah i i i would prefer it at two and a half i won't lie yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but but i i think then everyone would be on it i think that 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 three and a hook is just enough to keep to keep people uh from from feeling comfortable uh but but i do uh it just reminds me of a couple weeks ago when i went with bama and uh i think it was against mississippi state or something like that and it was a, a pretty big spread but bama is just a really really good team and as important as the quarterback position is, they have so many skilled players that can take the ball to the house on any play that even just quick screen passes can become lethal. And I think they'll be able to move the ball against Auburn. I think this will be a pretty high-scoring game, but I think Bama comes out uh, with a with a not a comfortable win, but a, I think you know seven to eight point seven eight point win. We'll, we'll pivot from the uh, the deep south back out to your neck of the woods for mine. Um, yes, sir. Wyoming. Getting 10.5 at Air Force. Spoke about Air Force briefly uh, when they went to Hawaii and absolutely ran all over the Rainbow Warriors. Um, I think that they may have a bit of a tougher uh, a go of it against Wyoming. Um, the, their, their defensive line ranks 6th in line yards in the country, 20th in stuff rate. 
So hope, you know, hopefully for me, that kind of slows down Air Force's running attack, which is obviously what they want to do. Um, neither team really wants to or can throw the ball that well. But then the weather forecast, I checked it today, looks pretty brutal with temperatures in the low 30s, up 20s with 20 to 30 mile per hour winds. That sounds lovely right now. <laughs> it was it, I woke up this morning. I live just a little bit, uh, just not not too far away from Colorado Springs. It, uh, yeah, about an hour, and it was seven degrees this morning. We got twenty inches of snow over the last couple of days. Okay, well, well, I should say low low thirty sounds balmy and warm. It's like a day. Well, at the I should beach. say <laughs> I should say the what. The, the weather forecast is a heat wave with 20 to 30 mile per hour winds. Um, so I think it just could be sort of like a blustery, shitty sort of day, which typically which typically lends to a, an under type game. Yeah. This under is currently sitting at 41 and potentially might even fall even farther. So again, 10 and a half points wow. in a game totaled right around 40. Feels like a lot. It just feels like a lot. I'm not in love with Wyoming by any by any means, but it just feels like too many points. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. Uh, my next one, I've got Ohio State minus nine. We talked about it earlier. Um, I am locking it up. Ohio State are 12 and six against the spread in their last 18 games against Michigan. Uh, they are eight and three against the spread in their last 11 games. So I feel good. I feel really good with Ohio State. I'm pretty sure, you know, if, you, if I would have just started this year and just bet uh, on Ohio State to every week against the spread, I would be a very wealthy man. And it's an unfortunate that I didn't do so, but uh, probably for the best because Matt doesn't need more people uh, rooting for Ohio State. So no. uh, Ohio State minus nine. Uh, again, like I said, uh, if it was double digits, I'd, I'd be I'd be scared off. But but nine points seems seems like something that uh, the Buckeyes can can handle. All right, gotta love Ohio State. Ah. Uh, so for my last, there we go. There we go. <laughs> for my last one, I'm uh, gonna circle back around to the uh, the the potentially sinking ship at Texas. Um, Texas Tech is getting ten on the road in Austin against the Longhorns this week, and I'm gonna go with Texas Tech here. I mentioned before Texas already at six wins; they're bowl eligible, so this game isn't really for much of anything they're going to be in a in a lower profile bowl than they typically expect or or generally in so i don't really know if they have all that much to play for uh we mentioned how close their record could be from you know from four and seven with those two walk-off field goals um both secondaries are pretty leaky so i wouldn't so i wouldn't be surprised to see points scored here we talk a lot about tom herman as an underdog that's one of the the most cliche things you hear in the college football betting community. And that's because there's some, there's, there's merit to it. But on the other side, as a fit, since becoming Texas's head coach, he's 13, 16 and 0 against the spread with eight outright wow. losses. Um, as a favorite. Wow. Correct. Um, so Texas, I think, you know, they're the more talented team. And I think that they probably do find a win, find a way to win this game. But I think tech can do enough to keep it close under, under double digits. Yeah, uh, I, I like that one. I, when I saw that one on there, I was like, oh, yeah, I, 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 can, I can roll with that. My last one is is a fun one. It's uh, Georgia State at Georgia Southern. I'm going over 57 and a half. It's a pretty big number, but I feel very confident. Uh, the total has gone over in five of Georgia Southern's last six games, and Georgia State is 6-2-1 and on overs this year. Both teams like to score, so uh, I, I, I think this one goes over. Uh, 57 and a half uh, pretty easily. I'm not going to say by the third quarter, but it might be. 
Uh, I will be honest with you guys. I, I did a parlay bet with all four of these. I just put them all on one <laughs> ticket. That's how confident I feel. And I will not regret that at all, I'm sure. <laughs> I've been losing so much. I needed to make all my money back. So I'm going to make all my money back that, that's, this week that's on the, my uh, bookie. That's the classic, uh, that's the classic bettors um, strategy where when you're losing, yeah. the best thing to do is chase it and to bet more. And, and yes. as far as I know, that's never turned out poorly for anyone, really. I mean, I don't think I can think of any situation where that's bad. So, I, yeah, absolutely. You fully endorse my decision to go. <laughs> I will be honest. I just emptied out my MyBookie account because there was so little money in it after this season. It's been such a rough year that I was like, you know, I don't have that much to play with. Let's just put it all on this parlay. And if I win it, I'll make all my money back. And if not, well, it was all fun money anyway. Uh, it was money that we, well, that I designated for this season for this show. So uh, no, no harm, no foul. It's all in good fun. I will say, if you do have a problem uh, with with betting with gambling, do check out Gamblers Anonymous. It's totally uh, totally okay to look for help in these situations. But uh, we do this more for fun and just uh, to have some rooting interest, and so that we are not just telling you locks that we have that we're not actually uh, getting behind ourselves. But I will say a couple of ones that I didn't bet on that I was looking at. Uh, I was looking at the um, at the Apple Cup, Washington State versus Washington. Uh, the line seven and a half. Uh, I, I, I was tempted to, to to put Washington there. Uh, I think they can beat. I think they could beat the Cougs by 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 double digits. Uh, the other one that I was looking at because uh, it's Oregon and and I'm a sucker. Uh, but I was actually looking at the under. I think the over under in Oregon versus Oregon State is like sixty six and a half. Um, and I, yeah, 65 and a half. And I, and I think that one will go under, but I didn't put any money on those. I just wanted to throw those uh, uh, out there at the end. Jordan, any final words from you before we get going here? Nah, man, it's been fun. This is, uh, it, I think it's been a good season for the show. Um, I think we've had some, some really productive talk. And I think that we've, we've hit on a lot of key points as far as Debbie is concerned. I think we've done pretty well on breaking these games hopefully hopefully made some people some money out there and um yeah man i mean it's it's been fun it's been fun shooting the shit with you guys every week and talking about football and getting a little bit of break from real life and yeah i mean it's 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 been good man yeah i've really enjoyed it i look forward to uh to our wednesday and thursday depending on the week our, our time to get together and chat uh you will definitely be missed it's been great having you on the show it's been great getting to know you over the last a couple years and i do hope that i can convince you to to come on uh sometime in the off season we can do a couple of uh just 100 percent debbie related uh just strategy conversations uh to to get people ready for next year but we'll get into all that uh we still have football ahead of us but just wanted you to know really appreciated you uh being on the show been great getting to know you and your uh wisdom and insight will be sorely missed uh, the, the, the poor listeners are going to be stuck with Matt, uh, who of course is also awesome. I just like to bust his balls a little bit, but no, it'll be, it'll be good. We, we do have, um, yeah, we will have a couple more shows for you guys this year. There's still a lot of football to be played, uh, but this is Jordan's last episode, uh, for this season. So just wanted to take a minute to say thank you. Uh, so do reach out to him, uh, Jay Hoover, nine, seven, eight, seven on, on Twitter, tell him hello and goodbye and all those good things. Uh, thank you so much. Jordan for yeah just your contributions and just being a part of the team it's been really good of course uh, you can still find some of his articles over on uh, Rotoviz uh, so so do be checking those out we've got some Thanksgiving feasting to do are you are you ready are you prepared for the unknown of tomorrow dude I'm already ready I already slipped on the sweatpants might not change until uh, till till the end of tomorrow so I'm I'm fully prepared. 
there you go. That sounds good. I'll, I'll be uh, heading down to my brother-in-law's. He was like, I don't ever watch football. I was like, well, I'm bringing a projector in my computer and I'm going to be watching football. So uh, <laughs> it'll be good, but there's going to be awesome food. It'll, it'll be a fun time with the family. So I uh, hope you all enjoy your Thanksgivings. Thank you so much for, uh, for listening. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever else you might be listening. We'll be back with you next week. Thanks again so much. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, be safe out there with all that crazy Black Friday shopping. Actually, just stay indoors. Enjoy your family. Enjoy the time off and uh, have a great weekend. We will catch you next week. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com